60% of Americans are afraid. I'm not, I don't know if I'm afraid of that. I'm concerned about it. But 60% of Americans made that their number one. Number two is an economic and financial collapse of our society. Number three was Russia using nuclear weapons. Number four is what if the U.S. gets involved in another world war? The fifth one is people that I love who might become seriously ill. And right after that, at 50% was people that I love who might die. That's a fear. Beyond that, um, number seven, pollution of our drinking water. Number eight, biological warfare. Number nine, cyber terrorism. And then number 10, at 48% of Americans say they're afraid or very afraid of not having enough money for the future. Now, are any of those you can relate to? Now, I know some of them I can relate to all of them in an abstract way, but in a personal, like, have I felt that fear a lot? And as I looked into it a little bit more, I realized that each one of the specific fears that are listed on that top 10 list, they actually represent what psychologists characterize as seven basic types of fear. There's seven kinds of fear that people have recognized that are common in human experience. And you can see them on the screen there. The fear of failure, fear of the unknown, fear of change. We're saying that every fear you have is probably going to fall into one of these categories. Fear of pain or injury, fear of loss, and they categorize that as loss of either relationships or potentially of material resources. Social fear, and social fear includes things like fear of rejection, fear of being judged by other people, fear of public speaking, and then the fear of death, that's really a bigger fear. They call it existential fear, and it includes the fear of death, but it also includes the fear of meaninglessness in your life. So it's kind of like the mother of all fears, right? So maybe you're facing one of those right now. I don't know. As you think about that, um, I, don't, I don't want my thoughts and message today to be just abstract or just uh, you know, kind of generic. If you're facing fear right now, then I hope that we're going to speak to you. The Bible will speak to you today. Um, because fear, fear is a complex emotion. You know that from having experienced it. It can show up in a whole variety of different forms, different manifestations of fear. My fear might not look quite like your fear, although there's some common things that happen physiologically and so forth. It can be triggered by a whole variety of different stimuli different situations, different threats or things that we perceive as threats or dangers. And it's a common experience. There's nobody, in the, nobody born on the earth who doesn't experience fear in some way or another because it's a natural reaction to perceived danger or threat. And so we're going to dig in to see what the Bible says about this a little bit today. Before we do, there's something basic I want to acknowledge, kind of still before we, kind of setting the, the table before we get into the biblical passages that we're looking at today, is that I want us to understand that fear can protect us or paralyze, protect or paralyze. And we said this about all of the emotions, all of the difficult emotions, that they have a negative and they have a positive side. They all, there's a virtue within, within all of them, and there's a virtue within fear, the fear the virtue of fear is that it can be good because it can protect us from real dangers in life. So let's say your child is playing in the backyard and he sees a snake and jumps back and yells. That's fear. That's good fear at work, protecting him from a threat. 
Now, he might learn later it was a garter snake. There's no threat at all. But, or it might have been a serious uh, a snake. Or let's say you come home at night and your back door is open and there's a light on in the basement. You might feel some fear. That would be a normal and helpful reaction because if somebody's in your home who shouldn't be there, then it's good to have your senses heightened. It's good to have a little bit of boost of adrenaline at that moment, right, to deal with that situation. And so fear can be a good thing that keeps you safe, that makes you alert to danger, that prepares you to deal with a situation that you need to deal with. Fear can be good because it can cause us to, to ask others for help. It can cause, it can lead us to courageous action, and it can move us to pray and seek God. All those things are are good. But fear can also, the flip side, fear can keep us from doing what's right. And in, in the context we're talking about today, it can keep us from obeying God, keep us from honoring God in a variety of different ways. So for example, last year, um, God was nudging me to give some money to some ministries that, that I believe in, some people that are doing some good things that I thought, oh, you know, that would be something that would be worth supporting, and there's a need right now. So, but but I, even though I felt impelled to do it, I hesitated. I didn't do it. It took me several weeks to do it. Why? Because I was anxious. I was anxious as Sally and I are moving into retirement then we, our financial situation is, is changing or transitioning. And, and so I said, whoa, what if I don't have enough? God lead me to do it, but what if I don't have enough? So I was fearful because of the situation that I was in. And I, there's times when um, I have hesitated to talk to someone who needed a conversation about, who needed to be confronted about something that they were doing that was harmful to other people. And I held back on doing that because I was afraid of the response, afraid of the conflict. Or sometimes that I've held back over the years in talking to somebody about, about faith, about Jesus, because I feared the response that they might make. And so fear can, can be paralyzing. It can hold us back from doing the things that God is calling us to do. And so essentially, right off the bat, I want us to understand fear can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing. It all depends on the choices that we make when we're facing that moment, that emotion of fear. Now, to understand fear today, I also want you to think about this, that the emotion of fear is not opposed to faith. Now, because I know that in the Christian world, there can be a narrative out there that says, if I'm afraid at all, then I must not be trusting God. If I'm afraid, if I'm feeling fear, then, I, then that's probably a sin, and I, just, I, just, I must not be acting in faith, because I, I want to look at uh, Psalm 55 today. We're going to turn there if you want to, and I'll look at it in a minute, and we'll have it on the screen. Psalm 55 talks about a, a follower of Jesus who's going through a uh, time of fear, and it, it describes his fear. But I want to think about this, because <clears throat> faith... Faith is not really an emotion. Faith is not really just even about believing certain things. But biblically, faith is about action. It's about doing something as a result of what you believe in. It's taking action based on what you understand is real and is true. So my point in defining that is that you can still feel the emotion of fear and still do what God says to do, right? 
You can still act in faith, even though you might feel the emotion of fear. So let's take a look at, at one of the Psalms that describes King David wrote this, how he's going through a very fearful time, and he, he describes the emotions here. He says, my heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. And so this is the emotion of fear and the physiological response that goes with that emotion. And David, as he writes this, if you look back in verse 2, you'll see he's overwhelmed by some troubles. In verse 3, he talks about enemies who are hunting him down, who are threatening him. And later in the psalm, he talks about a close, trusted friend who betrayed him. But in the midst of that, he's experiencing the emotion of fear and all the effects that go with it. His heart is pounding out of his chest. He's shaking. He's trembling. He feels like he's assaulted. This, this, the terror is assaulting. You feel attacked by this, this fear. He feels like it's overwhelming him. So the Bible is just really honest about our emotions, about really what we're going through when we go through those times. But what I want you to think about as you think about the emotions that he's in and the emotions that you've experienced, I want to make a distinction between two things, between emotion and the emotion of fear and what I'm calling the mindset of fear. That fear always starts as an emotion, but it can develop into a mindset. So an emotion arises in response to a threat, like fear. We saw that list at the very beginning, you know, I don't have enough money, somebody, somebody I love is going to die, whatever. And so there's an emotion that arises in response to that. But that emotion then can, over time, begin to develop into a, like a mindset. Let me tell you what I mean by that. So it's more than just the instant response. But it becomes this way of looking at life. Fear becomes the grid that you understand your reality through. It becomes a filter that you look at the world through. And so the difference is like everybody's going to experience the emotion of fear at some times, but some people are just fearful. Maybe you know somebody who's fearful. <clears throat> Someone came up after me, to me after the first service and says, Pastor, I'm fearful. What you described is all about me. And I kind of get that because I was very shy when I was growing up. So I experienced a ton of relational fear. Like, <clears throat> I would not initiate a conversation to meet a stranger. So that's why my wife Sally, if you know her, she's an extrovert. And so that's like the biggest blessing in my life. I can just gravy train off of her. I'll go in the, I'll go in the lobby and just follow her around. And she's paving the way, you know, like the relational way. And I just have to just step in and say, oh, hi, you know after she's done all the work. But that, that's a fear that has lingered, you know, in a sense. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, one time I was a teenager, and one time my mom was going to buy me some basketball shoes. And honestly, I was afraid to pick up the phone and call the store to find out what their hours were. It's not rational. It's not like, what are they going to do? Like, on the phone, she's going to go, oh, you're an idiot. I, I don't know, you know? Um, but that was the nature of my, my shyness or my fear growing up. And what I'm saying is that, that that childhood fear still sticks with me in some ways. It, it, it can. It still pulls. Um, I mentioned how, you know, sometimes I, I would have a hesitancy to tell somebody about faith in, in Jesus. And that's happened. Now, I've had plenty of those conversations. 
And I've had several times when I didn't have that conversation. But even when I'm having that conversation with somebody, I can still feel the tug of my childhood experience. And so what I've learned over the years in dealing with just being who I am is how easily fear can become the default setting in terms of how we evaluate life and how we deal with the circumstances that life brings us. That's the mindset of fear. Not just the fears that arise at times, but when fear begins to dominate and becomes this filter that I look at life through. Now, and so I'm saying the emotion of fear is not contrary to faith. The mindset of fear is the opposite of faith. See, because I don't want you to be discouraged that when you feel the emotion of fear, it's something every human being feels. When you feel that emotion, you go, oh my gosh, I'm afraid. That does not automatically mean you're not trusting God. That does not automatically mean that you've fallen into sin in some way. The feeling of fear, I don't believe, is a sin. I don't believe it's something to be ashamed of. It's what you do next that matters. So when fear becomes a mindset then something tough happens in your life and you have a response to that. But then you choose to continue that response. You choose to let fear take hold of you. You forget everything you ever knew about God somehow. You conclude that God has somehow abandoned you, that God's not present or real. And those fearful thoughts and those assumptions begin to take greater and greater control. For example, when your, your car breaks down, how do you respond to that? Well, if you have the mindset of fear, then you're gonna think of every terrible possible outcome that could happen as a result of that of that circumstance that thing that happens and so for some of us this this is a fear that that influences every aspect of life for others of us this fear comes in specific situations that are challenging like you you lost your job or you have a problem with your kids or there's the end of a relationship now in this series we've been talking about positive outcomes that can come out of difficult emotions. And that's what harnessing our emotions are about, to bring about those positive outcomes. But the fear mindset has all kinds of negative outcomes in your life. There's physical outcomes. You can't sleep. You get all stressed out. Your blood pressure goes up. You start to develop an ulcer, whatever those physical outcomes are. You make bad choices because your choices are not based on what's right or wrong or even what's best for you, but your choices are made out of a desire to avoid the thing that you're afraid of. And the fear mindset pulls you away from God. See, when fear, the bigger and bigger fear becomes, the smaller and smaller God looks to us. So in this psalm, King David, he says, Man, my heart was beating. I was terrified by fear. The next verses. He tells us about one of the natural things that happens when we're afraid. He says, oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness, how quickly I would escape, far from this wild storm of hatred. This is the natural response to fear, isn't it? To want to escape. I want to get out of this situation The mindset of fear says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to find some way to get out of the situation I'm in. I'm going to get out of it whatever way I can. I'm not going to trust God with it. I'm not going to tackle what it is that God wants me to do. I'm just going to flee. And so I want to ask you the question this morning that we all need to grapple with maybe today. Is your fear building or destroying your faith? See, fear can protect or paralyze. 
The fearful mindset, however, does never protect. It only paralyzes. It's not resilient because it's not harnessing fear for some positive result. Instead, it's running away from what God wants to do in and through that fearful moment. So, I mean, we've talked about, I think we've talked about the problem enough. Let's look at God's solution to the emotion of fear and to the mindset of fear. Fear, we overcome fear by turning to God. Now, that seems obvious, right? But it's not always the default reaction that we make. Because we're saying here that emotional resilience is harnessing fear to build your faith. Well, how do we harness the fear? Are we supposed to just suck it up? Supposed to just try a little bit harder, grit our teeth? There's a biblical answer to the challenge of fear. The answer is not just try harder. Just put more work into it. The biblical answer is to seek God and to turn to Him and to cry out to Him. So back in Psalm 55... We saw David, he's stressing out, he's trembling, his heart is pounding. He wanted to escape, to fly away like a bird. But later on in the psalm, we see where his heart ended up in verses 16 and 17. But I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. David is in distress. He admits it. He says, man, I'm, I'm troubled. This is crazy. I can't get over it. You know, and the morning, noon, and night thing, that struck me. Because that's when I'm afraid, then it's like it doesn't go away. It's like all day long, right? It's, oh, they're with me when I wake up in the morning. It comes up in every thought throughout the day. It just it's all day. At the end of the day, it's still there. And, and I, even, when I'm, even when I'm turning to God, it's like morning, i got to keep doing that. Because I'll turn to God, and then here comes the fear, of fear, the fear back in again. And boom, it, 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 it turns me away from the decision I made to seek God. So, so this guy, this thing is like constant. It's incessant all day long, every day. And he says, but he says, what I'm going to do is turn to God to call on him, to cry out to him. That's his act of faith. Because he's in a situation, the nature of the circumstances he was in did not suggest the reality of God. They did not suggest, oh, yay, God is for you. God is on your side. Yeah, God is, is present with you. They suggested just the opposite. And so he turned to God based on the assurance at the end of that verse, the Lord hears my voice. He said, I know something about God. I'm going to hang on to that and put that into practice. By faith. He said faith is not an emotion, but it's acting on what you believe. And so here he is, in spite of his fear, he's acting and he says, I believe that God hears my voice. I'm going to act on that. My action will be to cry out to God, to turn to him. Because the Bible shows us, God shows us through the scripture that, that he wants to be with us. He wants to help us in the midst of our fears. And often, I, sometimes I think, man, God is just sometimes just waiting for us to admit it. Admit the need and to invite him into it, if we will. Let me show you an example of this from one Old Testament king, a king named Jehoshaphat. And the story is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you want to turn there in your Bible, your Bible app, we'll have the verses on the screen again. But in, <clears throat> in 2 Chronicles 20, there's more of the story that we, than we'll be able to go into today, if you want to get some of that background. <clears throat> But first I want to start in, uh, jump back for a second to chapter 17, 2 Chronicles 17, to show you what kind of a, a guy this 
King Jehoshaphat was. And so in verse 4 through 6, it says, He sought his father's God and obeyed his commands. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. That's King Jehoshaphat. Now, there's a lot of chapters there about him, and all the chapters don't... don't, I mean, some of the chapters record that he made some boneheaded decisions, that he wasn't perfect, that he kind of wandered away from God here and there, or or he made some decisions that didn't take God into account, and so he paid some uh, some, uh, consequences for that. But here's the summary, the overall perspective on his life is this. He sought God, he obeyed what God said, he was deeply committed to God's ways. So that's the kind of guy he was. And so, in chapter 20, we see the danger that made Jehoshaphat afraid. Chapter 20, in verse 1, it says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. So three neighboring kingdoms, they all got together, they said, we're going to, let's pool our resources, let's build this bigger army than, than Judah has, and we're going to attack the city of Jerusalem, their capital, they're on their way, and in verses 2 and 3, he, he hears about this, and he learns that, that they're, on, they're closer than, than you would think. And so suddenly, boom, in verse 3 and 4, we see his response. Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. And so people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. King Jehoshaphat is really, really scared. This vast army's coming. They're not far away. They're maybe a day, they're a day or a day and a half march away from where he is. And this kind of situation, this checks like six out of the seven boxes of those seven kind of, kind of common basic forms of fear. This, this deals with like maybe failure and, and pain and loss and death and, um, and change and uncertainty and all the rest. So, so it's really checking the boxes here. And so what, what does he respond? He's, a, he's afraid. He's got the emotion of fear. What does he do with that? It says he turned to God. And so in his response, I think we can discern two practical steps that you and I can take if we want to harness that fear in order to build our faith instead of letting it destroy our faith. To harness our fear, two things. Number one is pray. Number two is praise. Take a look at both of those. So you see in verse 3, Jehoshaphat begged the Lord for guidance. In other words, this fear, this situation, it sent him to his knees. He said, God, we really need your help. We really need you to, to know what to do. And on top of that, he proclaimed a general fast throughout the whole nation. Fasting in the Bible is a way, it's the way that we give up something ordinary in life. Typically, it's food or some drink, to express our need, to express our dependency on God, to say, I, wanna, I don't want to live my life in an ordinary way because the situation I'm in is not ordinary. I don't want to just pretend like everything's okay because everything's not okay. So fasting is a way to express that. Say, I'm going to give up some, some food for a meal or two meals or whatever it might be to say, God, I need to deal with you. And so the whole nation... <clears throat> begin to fast. And in verse 4, he gathers the whole nation to Jerusalem to pray. People start coming from all around to gather together. Let's pray about this. This is really important to our, to our health, to our safety. 
And I thought, you know, sometimes prayer, when you're afraid, sometimes prayer is best done with others. It's not just on your own, you know. It's good to pray on your own. But sometimes prayer is best done by inviting other people into your need and praying with them. And so here am I, I'm thinking this, this fear is overwhelming me. And you're thinking, I, I got this fear, I mean, it's in my life right now. It's overwhelming me, What's my, what am I going to do? I'm going to turn to God because he cares for me. I'm going to bring my concerns, bring my fears to him. And I'm going to get serious about it by fasting, saying, God, I really mean it here. Even by inviting others to come pray with me. So that's one response, a response of prayer. Now, in, in uh, verses uh, 5 through 12, we see the gathering. Everybody got to Jerusalem. Jehoshaphat leads them all in prayer. There's like hundreds of people. I don't know, maybe thousands of people are gathered in the town, you know, in the center of Jerusalem and to, to pray. And Jehoshaphat leads them. And let's look at verse 12 just to see how his prayer ended. He says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. So turning to God, even the simple act of turning to God is an act of faith. It's an act of faith when you're feeling powerless. It may be some of us, our impulse is to try to figure out how to not be powerless and to try to go do something and to find some resource. But it's an act of faith to turn to God when we're powerless, when we don't know what to do, as he says, when we're gripped with the emotion of fear. And so prayer is a way, like Jehoshaphat said, it's a way to say, I'm looking to you for help. Now, <clears throat> something happens in response to that prayer in verse 14. <clears throat> excuse me. The, it says that there's all these people there. The Spirit of the Lord, it says, came on one man. His name was Jehaziel. He's standing there with his family. They're there to pray. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel. Now, we don't know him from any other passage. He's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. We don't know anything about it. We know he's a Levite, that there was hundreds of Levites. We don't know that he was a prophet or some kind of a special person in society at all. But Jehaziel, in verse 15, says, he's moved by God, and he says, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That's why we invite other people to pray with us when we're afraid. Because God used this ordinary guy. Nobody ever heard of him. God used this ordinary guy just to bring great encouragement from God to these fearful people. And God can use somebody in your life, somebody in your small group, somebody here in the congregation today, somebody on the team that you serve with to speak some truth, some encouragement to you when you're going through some times that are afraid. And then we have God's written word. We have the Bible that tells us the very same thing that Jehaziel said, where we don't have to be afraid. Now, when the Bible says, don't be afraid, I don't think it's saying stop having the emotion because in my experience, I don't think that I have control over my emotions. I think the emotion comes and it goes on its own, kind of like, right? Like, whoa, what where did this come from? When it says, don't be afraid, I think he's talking about don't give in to the mindset of fear. Don't welcome and embrace the fear. Don't let the fear start to rule and have a place in your life experience. And he says, don't be discouraged. 
Why? Because he reminds them God is in charge. And it's prayer. That's one way that we harness our fear. And beyond prayer, the second element of turning to God is praise. Because we read there that people who were gathered started to sing praises to God. Now there's a, some other things going on that in, in the course of the next day that I don't have time to get into today. But the point is, is that they started to sing praises to God. And I think that's helpful because when we're afraid, we need to be reminded of what's real. When we're afraid, I say, you know, the more the, the bigger fear gets, the smaller God gets. He doesn't get smaller, of course, at all in reality, but he gets so much smaller in our perspective. And when we praise God, and they started singing, they, we don't, they started singing a song that, that highlighted God's character and God's nature. And when we do that, when we, when we engage in praise, then we're reminded of who God is and what he can do and what he's promised, reminded of his love for us and his care for us. And maybe as God gets bigger, maybe the fear gets smaller. And the result, so I, I would say, you know, that's why we're here in worship. We're learning these songs, we're singing, and we're learning praise to God. It doesn't have to be songs of praise. They sang praise, but you can praise God without making it into a song. You can praise God by repeating what Scripture says about him, by just telling him, God, thank you for being X, Y, and Z. Or you can get out your Spotify playlist and go you know, praise songs and go boom and sing along. And it changes your heart. It changes your perspective about the situation that you might be in. Here's what happened in there, in Second Chronicles, in verse 22, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. God caused that. And the next day they got out to where the battle was, was going to be. They got out there, and none of these, none of these enemies were left. The armies were gone. They were decimated. They'd, they'd beat each other up. God destroyed the threat. Now, I'm not going to promise to you that if you pray and if you praise God, that the situation that causes your fear will immediately go away. God can certainly do that if he wants to. This is a great example here of God's power applied in that way. But the Bible never promises, God never promised that he's going to do that in every situation. And I suspect looking at all of Scripture, this is more the exception than the rule. But I'm going to pray that way. I'm going to pray, God, would you remove this source of fear? <clears throat> but the big picture, biblically, is that God uses frightening situations that we find ourselves in, like this. He uses those to grow us and to focus us and to purify us and to mature us. And so the outcome that I'm looking for when I turn to God in my time of fear, and I'm assaulted by that fear, is, yes, God, please, can you remove this? But if you choose not to, God, I need you to help me not to be paralyzed by this. I need you to help me to be strong in this. Give me your strength in this situation. I want to hang on to you. I still want to do the right thing. I don't want this fearful situation I'm in to destroy my faith. I want it to build my faith. That's what I'm talking to God about. So that's a, a response. Two things, prayer and praise, can help us to harness our fear to build our faith. So what is it that you are afraid of? 
What is it that you're afraid of right now? You know, maybe, maybe there's nothing in your life right now. Maybe there's something that's abstract or something that's kind of out, out in the background. You go, oh, you know, I wonder about that. That's great. But believe me, there will be something. It will come. Maybe you're in it right now. Maybe you had a hard time even coming this morning because you're going like, man, where, where are you, God? What are you doing in this, in this difficult situation that I'm in? And it could be any, anything. It could be any of the things that we talked about before. But as you identify that today, you think about what that is. How are you going to deal with that fear? How are you going to deal with that fear? Are you going to allow it to become the primary mindset that you've inter- interfaced the world with, that colors everything in life? Are you going to allow that to undermine your relationship with God? Or are you going to turn to God because of that fear? Now, none of us can escape fear. It's going to happen. It's powerful. It can be paralyzing. So I want to give you some hope today. I want to give you some encouragement today. If you're in it right now or the next time that it strikes, I want you to have this hopeful thought, this hopeful strategy in mind that fear can be a good thing. It really can if it drives you to turn to God and rely on Him. Thank you, God, for the fear. I don't like the feeling of fear. I don't like the things that bring fear. To be honest with you about that, but I recognize that fear can have this outcome. It can drive me to turn to God and rely on Him. So I don't want to let fear stop me from trusting in God. I hope that's an encouragement to you today as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your care for us, for your concern. Father, thank you that you work even in and through our feelings. Our emotions can be used by you, and we are grateful for how that can take shape to drive us to you, to help us rely on you, to help us to recognize our need, to see, yeah, Man, I I need your help. And so, Father, I I pray for everything that is going on in this room today, the the different fearful situations that are living in people's lives this morning. And some of them are huge threats. Some of them are anxieties and worries. But we, we pray, Father God, that you would lead each one of us into your presence, that you would lead us to, to trust that you're the assurance that you'll hear our prayer, that you'll lead each one of us to burrow in more deeply to you, to draw near to you. And we're asking you, Father, I'm asking you, God, to, to relieve the, the fear. I'm asking you, God, to take away the situation that brings fear, to relieve the feelings of fear. But regardless of that, God, regardless of that, we're praying for each one of us that this fear will draw us closer to you and help us to learn and reflect on your presence and your character and your promises in our lives. And as a result, Father, as a result of the thing I'm going through today, that I become stronger in my relationship with you, stronger in my faith. That's what we're praying today, Father, for for your people who are gathered here. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.